The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hi, you're listening to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Leo and I'm in the studio with Very Loose Women, Emma. Hi. Good evening, Emma. And special guest of the week, Selena Wisman. Welcome, Selena. Hi. Um, so the main topic of tonight's show is pretty obscure, ecstasy. Sorry, what exactly does that entail? Nice. I mean, entail. <laughs> if you could tell us briefly, maybe, Selena. <laughs> ecstasy is um, telling the future from the entrails of sacrificial sheep. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yes, that's so. That's what I spend my life doing. <laughs> this might be the third or fourth show that Resonance has broadcast about that topic. Yeah, I mean, knowing Resonance, that's very possible. So the way I met Selena was through this group at university called the Fail Novelist, which I think you actually set up. Yeah. Is that right? So I thought before we go into the main topic, we could we could talk a bit about extracurriculars in general. So Fail Novelist was a writing group. We meet up every Sunday and read out our work. Um, but I was wondering what extracurriculars we kind of do nowadays as adults. Not that we weren't adults then, but we're more so now. Don't know. Yeah. Yes. You've asked for an anecdote. Well, I am, I'm doing a BSL class, British Sign Language, and also I'm about to start cello lessons. And I haven't started yet, so I don't have any hilarious anecdotes from my lesson. But what I will say is that I've kind of found it interesting because I've had to like choose a tutor and I've been like scrolling through like tutor pages. Mm. And it's almost like I'm approaching it like it's like a dating website, like trying to choose who I'm going to pick. So I've got like, or, or even like a sperm donor also is how I've kind of viewed it. Have so, you like, been all- on sperm donor websites before? Not many, um, but yeah, I guess like I've kind of looked through all the profiles and like a lot of detail, and like they're all obviously like professional musicians, so they're all basically the same people. But like there's this one guy that I decided I was in love with because he um, also teaches Mandarin. It's and not that is a dating not... website, you know that you can't. Yeah, date yeah, and it's like that is not useful to me because I don't want to learn Mandarin. But I'm like, oh, but he's got this extra skill. Yeah, as if like how the... I don't know how it's going to benefit me, but I just thought, I don't know, mm. I've developed an affinity for him. I think most of my life is extracurricular. I kind of centered my life around doing mostly extracurricular stuff, like making films and writing and blogging and drawing. But then what is a curricular? Yeah, that's it. Like, I do teach in schools, but that's fun as well, as long as I'm not doing it full time. Yeah, and I do get paid for some of my extracurriculars, but just not as much. So I don't know what is an extracurricular. That is not a question that we're going to be answering on tonight's show. Keep on guessing, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. What about you, Selena? Are you keeping up any failed novelisting? Um, yeah, I still go to failed novelists. I'm oh, great. writing a series of plays at the moment about the last interesting kings of ancient Iraq. Brilliant. Um, Did you say the last interesting kings? Yeah, the last interesting kings of ancient Iraq. Is that like a kind of objective or a subjective? Well, it's based on the sources that we have available to us. Um, I, I should say I study ancient Mesopotamia, ancient Iraq. That's what I do. We have a lot of documentation from the reigns of the last three Sargonid kings and then a few others where, you know, it's all a bit scrappy. We don't really know what they did. Not so interesting. Not I so see. interesting. Maybe if you want to develop a bit more, like I know you're a playwright, a doctor in cuneiform studies. You've been involved in museums in Oxford and London. So what is cuneiform? Sure. So cuneiform is a writing system that was invented in um, ancient Iraq, about 3000 BC. It's the first writing system to have been invented um, and is ultimately the origin of our modern alphabet today. What about the, the work in, in museums? Does that tie into that work? Do you mainly work in cuneiform collections? Yeah, the British Museum in London has um, one of the largest collections of cuneiform tablets in the world. 
um, excavated from the royal palaces of the kings that I write about. How, how does all of that tie into ecstasy? What's the kind of link between cuneiform and ecstasy? Cuneiform is a writing form. Is it like the same period? The culture of ancient Babylon, ancient Assyria, ancient Mesopotamia, these, these are all um, different names for different areas of the same um, region in ancient Iraq or different regions in ancient Iraq, I should say. Um, so I study that world, really, that whole world. And ecstasy is a, a key way of making decisions at the royal court in ancient Mesopotamia. So I've been pronouncing it wrong. No. Well, that's what ecstasy? I was trying to understand. Because I was like, is it spicy or spicy? Because it is written and I just kind of thought <laughs> like... spicy. Yeah, exactly. Extra spicy. It's also another joke I thought about making at the beginning of the show. But yeah, I don't know. I kind of... Also, can you tell us maybe about the etymology of the word? Yeah, I mean, extra is Latin for entrails. And spicy, you know, coming from the word to, to look at things. So you say you know. I would not know sorry. that. Sorry. <laughs> <But laughs> now we know. Yeah, we do definitely know that now. Otherwise, okay. you know, otherwise known as haruspicy, which is um, a, a Latin word for uh, looking at the liver. Oh. That's, you know. That would be more precise for ecstasy. Well, well, I mean, I'm going to be talking about the liver mostly today, but they did inspect all of the entrails. You look at the heart, you look at the kidneys, the lungs, the gallbladder. Mm. Um, Why leave it out? Well, exactly. So it's all important, but most of the omens are to do with the liver. I'm quite excited about this because as regular slash long-time listeners might know, one of our first episodes on Resonance, I talked about, like, I was a, b- a big fan of psychic animals and to a lesser extent, animal psychics. We did have um, a recurrent feature on psychic yeah, animals. Yeah, always. Yeah, and animal psychics. Um, and so I kind of, although of, of course I prefer my, like, psychic animals, like polyoctopus, RIP, living, um, I'm kind of interested to hear nonetheless about almost psychic animals, but when they're dead. Yeah, I mean, it's slightly it, different. It's, it's, it's slightly different. Do you know about Paul the Octopus? No. He predicted the out- Oh, you, you can talk no, about you, it. No, it's him. okay. He predicted the outcome of a football match, right? Because by Not moving- just a football match. Like the World Cup, like all the matches in the World Cup that Germany was in. He's a German octopus and he was <laughs> at a zoo in Germany. And he, yeah, he predicted, correctly predicted, I think, the outcome of maybe every match that Germany was in or something like by that. By moving to the left or the right. Yeah. Ah. Anyway, is there a big field of research around haruspicy or ecstasy? I think we're just going to get you to say the words <laughs> from now on. It's really, I don't, yeah, I'm struggling. We're all struggling. <laughs> not, not really. There's probably about five people who do it or, or do you know something. Them? Uh, yeah, I know are most of them. I'm friends with most of them. Why are you interested in it? Why? Well, I like things that are weird, basically. Um, but it's, it's also interesting to me because it's so widespread in Mesopotamia. You don't make any political decision without consulting the entrails. If you want to appoint a new chief of the army, if you want to appoint a new temple administrator or even a new high priest you you would ask these things and Um, is it limited to mesopotamia no no in fact it's still found today um it's found all over the world in fact Um, people still practice it in peru with guinea pigs for example um and in siberia um, africa cuba it's it's found everywhere and that's another reason i find it so interesting because you know, when, when you first bring up this subject, people think, well, what? It's so bizarre to us, mm. but people still do it. And so it does have some really widespread appeal and links to something really deep in our psyche, I think, as human beings. I've got just a couple of questions. So how do you train to become... Well, I guess my other question is, what's the word? Is it an, is it an extra spicer? <laughs> extra spicer? <laughs> no, that's too bad. Like expert. 
Oh, <laughs> so bad. No one even got the joke. Yeah, but like, what? What do you even call it? Like, what's the title? And how do you train to become that? Gosh, oh, we tend to just use the uh, original Babylonian word, to be honest, which is baru, which means seer. Literally, just means <laughs> okay. the one who sees. And how do you how do you train to become one of those? And how takes do people? A very long time. You know, many years of training. It's it's really one of the highest branches of academia in Babylonian society. Really, uh, they consider it a science. And one of the most prestigious branches of science, really, because they have about um, at least 99 clay tablets detailing all of the different possibilities of the different um, things that features of the liver can mean. And it's really technical. Do people ever dispute each other? It's like, was there ever, you know, someone saying, oh, this means this, the king's going to die or whatever. And other people saying, oh, I think you've read that wrong, actually. Yeah, yeah, they argue amongst themselves. Um, they argue with the astrologers as well sometimes. The astrologers actually argue more than, than the... Um than the seers do. But the thing about existency is that it has the final word. Everything is checked against existency. If there's, uh, you know, an eclipse or, you know, some ominous conjunction of planets seen in the sky, uh, they want to know whether or not it's going to affect them. Ask the sheep. The sheep have the final word. And I think before, actually, when we're talking about it, you told us about kind of the most famous, well, a very famous case of existency. Yeah, got it, got um, it. I think you were talking about, was it with Julius Caesar? Yeah, yeah. So um, the ancient Romans um, practiced existency as well. comes from the uh, Etruscans, the people who lived in Italy before the Romans got there. And it ultimately can be traced back to this science that the Mesopotamians developed. And there's a great example Cicero talks about where just before the murder of Julius Caesar, um, somebody was performing one of these sacrifices and he found that the bull had no heart and he said, this portends Julius Caesar will die. And there's an almost exact parallel in the Mesopotamian clay tablets, which says, if the sheep has no heart, it means downfall of the prince. But there, I mean, there's no timing on it. Like everyone's going to die. Were, were they saying like he's going to be knifed in the back by his best friend? Like oh, how detailed well, actually, does it get? There, yeah, well, there's a, a, a feature of the liver which the, they call the finger, which is <laughs> one of the protruding parts, um, which does determine exactly when the prediction is valid for. Oh, right. Yeah, there, so there is does, a, there is a technical precise. way of calculating this as well. Oh, interesting. So is it quite... Is it quite well known today? I guess the, the word is quite specific to to my academic field, I okay. suppose. Um, but um, anthropologists are quite interested in this, um, often read about it in anthropological books. Oh, interesting. Um, because they're so interested in rituals and because it's so widespread, because it is something mm. that is found all over the world mm. um, as well. One question which I immediately thought of is can the animals be eaten afterwards? Like once you've cut it up and then read the future of your king in it, can you then eat the animal? Well, this is the big the big question, really. We don't actually know because nobody's ever written it down in, in any surviving sources. But I suspect they probably wouldn't because if you have a, a prediction that says the king will die, are you really going to want to eat that? People use it for personal decisions as well. You know, will my wife recover from this illness? If the entrails say your wife will die, well, do you do you really want to eat that? What if the entrails so. say your wife is definitely going to be fine? <laughs> well, maybe it would be fine then. Yeah, maybe um, you don't want to eat that because it's quite special. Maybe, it's quite a special maybe. Thing to say. But didn't you say there was something about if an animal looked quite ill, they wouldn't perform ecstasy on it? Yeah, so the idea is that you have to have a perfect animal because it has to be a blank slate for the gods to write on because they believe that at the moment of asking the gods the question, the gods will then write the answers on the entrails 
themselves by actually changing the shapes and making the marks there. Um, so you have to give them something good to start with. But it is also true that ominous features of the liver are related to the health of the sheep. So if a sheep is infested with parasites, for example, it's going to make all sorts of horrible marks on the liver and those yeah. are usually um, related with predictions that are negative. So it's to your own advantage to choose a nice-looking sheep as well. Could we have some ecstasy examples in the studio this evening? I understand that you've got a picture of a dissected Armenian sheep with you. Yes, I have, <laughs> thanks to a friend of mine who has a project in Cambridge where he has a deal with some Armenian shepherds that every time they slaughter a sheep, they will send him a photo of the entrails. Um, is it something that's practiced in Armenia then? Or is it just they just think he's a bit of an oddball and they're like, sure, <laughs> OK. <laughs> no, I think um, it was the only place where health and safety regulations were totally absent. <laughs> OK, I did wonder why an Armenian sheep. Uh, he sent me these photos. His name's Alex Loktinov. Thanks, and, Alex. And beautiful, beautiful photos. Yeah. So you've looked at tablets and you've come up with a question which is about the Trump president. Yes. Um, will Trump take the kingship is the question we're going to be asking tonight. And I think it's particularly pertinent today. I know that you've looked at these beforehand, but today the two other Republican frontrunners actually dropped out of the race. So Trump seems to be the Republican candidate. So the only, the only. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what, what happens. And this is live events. Uh, looking at sheep entrails and finding out who's going to win the presidency race in the United States. So could you tell us a bit about what you found out? Sure. Well, the, first of all, the reason I'm asking this question is because it's the same kind of question that, that the Mesopotamians would have asked. Um, there are lots of conspiracies against the King Esarhaddon, for example, where people who want to oust him from the throne and take his kingship ask the gods this question, will the chief eunuch take the kingship, for example? So um, I'm giving a talk tomorrow at the British Museum um, as part of an outreach event and I thought this would be a great way to to illustrate that like how are these things actually used I've got a picture of a sheep liver here I'm looking at it me. right now yeah and <laughs> It's Should not we pretty. Try and do some? We've well, never seen like a sheep's liver before, <laughs> but um, I it's got like a little weird black bit and it's quite shiny. That's the gallbladder. That's the gallbladder, yeah, which is attached to the liver. It's quite a vibrant picture. Bit fatty. What does that tell us? The fattiness. <laughs> I mean, I think you're nodding, but I think that's generous nodding. It's <laughs> like, yep, you're saying words. That is usually good. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. You know, so I abundance, think, all of that. Oh, so I th I think the answer is going to be yes. Tell us your, your verdict. So what we have to do is we have to go and inspect all the zones of the liver in particular order. We go around anti-clockwise and then I'll look up those features in the omen tablets and say what they have to say about them. So these are Mesopotamian ones? Yes, ancient Mesopotamian and tablets dating gonna... from about 1000 BC. Oh, wow. Yeah, I should have asked that. <laughs> when was Mesopotamia? <laughs> I think that's quite a crucial question. Can you tell us? Yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a huge area that's the problem so um, the Sumerians invented writing in 3000 BC as mm -hmm. I said at the beginning but um, the civilization carries right on for thousands of years after that um, Babylon becomes a great city say oh, in the 18th 18th century BC and the texts that survive that I've used for this today come from the 7th century BC okay actually but so but so that tradition is so it's quite quite recent. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. These these texts are you know new, new stuff in, in our world. Do you know if 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 like the other ecstasy that's going on today, like the Siberian or the Peruvian stuff, would contradict what you'd learn from this, or do you know if there's like it was like oh big fat line down the middle of the liver that definitely means that they're going to be fine. Oh that well that's what I need to go and find out next episode. I'll be on a mission. <laughs> yeah. 
so shall we begin? Yeah, yeah. yes. Let's begin the so reading the of it. The first thing we're going to look at is there's a, a really long crease in the liver, which is called the presence. Um, it's quite obvious. It's the first thing that you notice. Well, that I notice when I look at the liver. Maybe not, but it's it's a prominent feature. Anyway. I have to say, it's not the first thing. <laughs> I mean, I noticed the gallbladder because I was like, there's something wrong with the liver, <laughs> which was sorry, another organ. Yeah. This shows how out of touch I really am, doesn't it? <laughs> so, if there is a long presence, the omens say the days of the prince will be long. So this is a particularly long crease. So that's a good thing. So Trump's not going to die anytime soon. Not anytime soon. But see what we have to do is we have to tally up the number of omens that overall are positive and mm. are overall negative. Okay. I'm starting a tally chart. Start now, yeah. Okay. And then whichever one is higher will give us the overall answer, yes or no. At the but end. let me just check. In this context, positive seems to mean Donald Trump will win. Just to clarify that. Uh, yeah, po- positive for the person asking the question. Okay. okay. So for, yeah. These may not be the opinions of... Positive uh, for Trump. <laughs> yes. Any of us. across the board say that that is not the case. <laughs> okay, positive for Trump, one. Okay. Yeah, okay. But it gets more complicated than that because if the base of the presence is long but does not reach the path, which is another crease at the very edge of the liver, then it means the prince will not return from the campaign he embarked upon. What does that mean, he won't return? Oh, that he'll die in battle or something, I, oh, okay. su- I suppose. So that's that's a strike against Trump. Heart what? attack on the but podium. It says that he's going to live for a long time and also that he's going to die. Well, this is the thing. It's 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 really, the predictions are not to be taken literally. Okay. We add them up at the end. <laughs> but see, that raises another really interesting question. Because they're contradictory. Is, yeah. Why, why do they have these if they're not mm. paying attention to them? And some people suggest that, well, it's really because this isn't supposed to be practical, but we're going to the realms of Babylonian philosophy here that these texts are a a place to speculate about why certain things are connected to each other and how the world is interconnected and what it all means. Um, Mm. But when it comes to doing the extispacy, it's just, you know, is it yes or no? And then we add it up. Okay, so it's a numbers game, basically. Yeah. Okay, what's next? One for, one against. Continue. The next part of the liver we're going to look at is called the dying vat. They have such fantastic names, these parts of the liver, I think. Just for the listeners to know, these are really not pleasant pictures. If you're looking at. <laughs> uh, I found something that looks a bit like a cross in the dying vat. And if there is a cross in the rear of the dying vat at the left side of the path, it means the storm god Adad will flood in the enemy land or an alternative interpretation, there will be confusion in the enemy land. Negative? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no, actually, actually... Oh. It's negative for the enemy, you see. So this is this is negative for Trump's enemies, ah, which means negative. it's positive oh, for Trump. <laughs> it does get quite convoluted. Yeah, no, I should have realised that. A flood of my enemy's land is not positive for. So I, I think for the other enemy. ones, we should we should just go straight into whether or not they're positive or negative. Okay, sure. Mm. We want to get to the answer. The strength is present. That's positive. It means a stable foundation. Uh oh, it's not looking good for us. But that's not true for, for Trump. He doesn't have a stable foundation. He's always well, but does the liver. The liver oh, has a stable foundation. Okay, okay. Yeah. If the liver has a palace gate, whatever your circumstances, the god will protect you. That's positive. I'm so worried. Go on. Mm. Um, next, the well-being. My army will attack the prince in battle. I don't know. What does that mean? Is what that- does that mean? <laughs> I think, the, well, the prince would probably be Trump in this scenario, so I think that's negative for Trump. Okay. Let's hope so. Minus point for Trump. Yeah. He's going to be beaten in battle. Yes. Not by Ted Cruz, or though. Not. <laughs> yeah, not by Ted Cruz, that's true. If a weapon is placed at the rear of the throne base and it points to the middle plane of the finger, it means the king's son or the king's brother will flee. I think that's probably negative. Okay. Let's count that as a no. Well, do you know none Doesn't of his children great. are registered to vote? 
Continue. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Feeds into that one. Uh, oh, I like this one. If there is a cross in the right side of the yoke opposite the increment, it means dogs will become rabid. That feels completely unrelated. <laughs> he is a rabid dog in some ways. So, in what ways? <laughs> in terms of his like spewing racist hate speech. So I think that sounds like it's positive for him. <laughs> <laughs> If you say it's a, so. It's open to interpretation. <laughs> this usually, could be the career for me. In Mesopotamia, I think they usually take that as a bad sign. Okay, I will put a point for negative. All right. But I know what it is in my heart. So but what, not in my liver. What have we got there? What do you I've make I've actually it? got... Oh my gosh, I've got four and four though. Really? Uh-oh. What do you have? I've got six and five. We must Maybe skip I skipped some. some. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just got too excited about it. So six negative or six positive? Oh, the path is normal. We've got the path is normal, which is a positive sign. Mm-hmm. If the dying vat is concave on the right, the army of the prince will go on a terrifying campaign. That's positive. Oh, my goodness. Wait, yeah. so it's, oh, it's six some. positive versus five negative. That sounds like Trump's in. I'm afraid that's a yes. So the Armenian sheep and the mass of knowledge from Mesopotamia say that Trump is going to be president of the USA? Well, not necessarily, because we didn't do this with a fresh sheep. We didn't. These photographs are about a year old, um, you know, Ah. way before this question would have even occurred to us to ask. So it's not not really valid. (laughs) I'm so glad we did that. (laughs) But also, also, if the Mesopotamians didn't get the answer they wanted, they'd do a best of three. So if we had more time, we could do this twice more. We could kill more sheep and assess it for Hillary. Yeah. Or, Or Bernie. Who knows? I'm not American. It could be either or any of them. Anyway, <laughs> I, I thought to go on with this, we should talk a bit about how we go to make decisions and how, like, I personally don't cut up sheep to decide <laughs> what's going to happen or to look at the future. I tend to see what happens and then occasionally make a decision based on what my parents or friends think. Well, I want to just quickly ask, um, I think before we were also talking about a maybe slightly more animal-friendly version, mm. which you were telling us, was it augury you were talking about? Where you like don't, don't have to kill any animals? Was I was it just observing the birds yes. flying overhead. So that's something we could do, which doesn't involve cutting up sheep. That's true. Yeah, we could, but I don't know how to read flying birds. The Romans are well into that. Well, maybe you can. We could get a book on it. Yeah, we point us in the direction of some literature to read the sky. Maybe like pollution might change the direction of birds. Um, yeah, I found another one for vegan vegetarian people, which is dendrochronology, which is obviously reading tree rings. But I thought that was just for for knowing how old a tree was. But apparently, and this is a quote from a very random blog on the internet, it works just as well <laughs> as um, as what <laughs> as, as ecstasy. <laughs> So I, I would dispute that personally. Oh. <laughs> the specialist disputes it. What do I do? Magic eight ball, always a winner. I like the chatterboxes. You know, those little things where you like, I don't really know, they're called chatterboxes and I'm doing a very good example with my hands. So you know what I mean? Where you fold up a little bit of paper into it, almost like a little box and you oh, put your yeah, fingers in it. One. I don't know what else you would call that, but I would call it a chatterbox. And that can help you make a lot of decisions. What else would I do? I have had, actually, I think Leo, we both got our palms read by a drunk man in a pub once. Oh my goodness, yes I did. That really bothered me because he was like, <laughs> you need to be a mother to be happy. And obviously I'm not that. a mother. But like, you don't just go around telling people that. <laughs> if it's the truth. But who knows, it? like, he doesn't get to tell me that. It was really weird. I did not enjoy that happening to me. Unsolicited divinations, not a good thing. Why? Ooh, do you know more about that? <laughs> what do I have to do? <laughs> I think oh, you'll be okay. It's a very dangerous game going around telling people things that they don't want to hear. It but... was really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you must have allowed him to look at your palm. Yeah, he said, can I see your palm? And I was like, yeah, sure, this is fun. 
It was in my favorite pub in Camberwell, the Hermit's Cave. And other he, pubs exist. Yeah, other pubs do exist. And he volunteers in a nature reserve. I thought that was quite a cool thing to do. So I let him look at my palm, but I shouldn't have. I saw him like a few weeks later and I didn't say hello to him. Um, <laughs> what do you use to tell, to make decisions then? What helps you, Selena? What do you use? Probably not a daily ecstasy. Oh my gosh, how would you say it? Existing. Yeah, but I was, to, <laughs> I was trying to use it as a verb, like a daily existing. Anyway, <laughs> you probably don't do that every day. So, what do you do if you want to no, make a big decision? What do I do? Um, what do you consult? I, I quieten myself and look into my heart. <laughs> That's a that form helps. of ecstasy. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> and if I have no heart, it's it's downfall of the prince. Oh no, I hate when that happens. Um, what about horoscopes? No. I quite enjoy a horoscope. You know what? I read a birthday book the other day and it, you'd go to your, the page of your birthday and it said that I had two parts to my character. One is pleasure seeking and the other one is very ambitious. And I've got to be more like focus on the ambitious one and not be so pleasure seeking. Otherwise I can get distracted and just drift. Did that seem true to you? Mm. But, you know, there's, everyone's like that. Yeah, I was going to say it's quite generic. Yeah. What about you? I think what I like about horoscopes and what I find, they're kind of, they're kind of reassuring. Because it's like, oh, maybe I actually have no control over my life. So, like, I can't be to blame for any decision or anything that goes wrong. Hmm. That's quite a reassuring thought, I think. Yeah, I like that. So that's why I like reading my horoscope anytime I see a metro. But then I also like fighting against the fact that I have no control over it of, like, you know, like through activism and like changing the course of things. You know what I like about horoscopes is that paragraphs are very short and there's only a small part that applies to you. I wish all articles were like that. You could just like pinpoint the bit that you actually want to read. I think that's a great part of them. It does save you time. What about tea leaves, guys? I've never read tea leaves. Never read tea leaves. Okay, me neither. That was a really stupid question. <laughs> it's good to check, though. You yeah, never know. We could have had some great anecdotes about tea leaves. Um, do you want to hear my cringe of the week? Yeah, I do. Okay, so this is not related to anything, but I just thought it was my big cringe that happened this week, and I just thought, I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. So I work, like, I support in a school for children who've been expelled, and we had a new English teacher in our classroom. And I'm just going to set the scene a little bit. So she's never been to, like, our class before or a school, really. And I was wearing, it was important what I was wearing. I was wearing this nice cardigan that Leo gave me that has like ducklings on it and it had like a scrunchie in my hair anyway I said hi to her I sat down I was working with the children she had like no control over the class one of our kids was just like going off the wall so I, I thought to myself I'll take this girl out and we'll like try and work out what's wrong so I start walking out with this girl and the teacher just started shouting Emma Emma get back in your seats Emma and I realized she thought I was one of the students now my <laughs> class the, the, the children are 12 and 13 years old so she must have looked at me and thought that's scrunchie you're 12. It was so embarrassing. I had to turn to her and say, you do realise that I'm not a student here. And also, like, all the kids are in uniform. It was really embarrassing. So anyway. my mum made me, she was trying to get me to get rid of that cardigan for ages. I ended up giving it to Catherine and then you, who gave it to you. So actually, it's from Catherine. Um, but because she wanted me to get rid of it because it made me look too much like a child. Well, she was right. Vindicated, mother. Vindicated. Yeah. That is all we have time for. We have uh, 30 seconds left, so I'm going to say bye from me. Thanks so much to Selena for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Selena. It's a great and, show. And um, bye from Emma then. <laughs> I'll speak for you. Um, <laughs> yes, thanks bye. for listening. So stay tuned. <laughs>